O Almighty God, who alone canst order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men, grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which thou commandest and desire that which thou dost promise, that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world our hearts may surely there be fixed, where true joys are to be found through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, I thought, oh, thank you. She, she's made me, I don't know, she's made me chips and queso. I said, I don't know what, what I can eat while I'm eating except for chips and queso. Um, eat while I'm speaking, I mean. Um, but um, I thought this would um, be a good opportunity to just share some thinking about some things that's difficult to share during the service, like during the course of the announcements. Depending on how this goes, maybe we'll do it again next year uh, in 2017. I wanted to do this in, oh, you're so sweet. I wanted to do this in like January and or February, but things kept coming up, including the Super Bowl. Um, But uh, here we are. Um, And, um, you know, I have like a couple, I have a a laundry list of things I want to talk about, but I was thinking like, what are some uh, overall what's an overall idea that I want to tap into? And one was the Lessons and Carol service we did in December. Um, I think most of you were there. If you weren't there, maybe you heard about it. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, we did a service in the park um, uh, Sunday before Christmas uh, at Railroad Park. And what I saw there was um, this community really having ownership there was something magic happening that evening that like I've been wanting to happen here for so long and I've seen glimpses of it glimpses of it but it was in uh, full effect at lessons and carols and it was this real sense of pride and ownership um, and uh, hospitality that was happening uh, from the people who are kind of regulars at this service and we were outnumbered by outsiders, weren't we? I mean, there were, we, we guessed there were about 200 people that came that night. Um, and I don't know. I, what I saw there I thought was really special. And so as I'm talking through this laundry list, think about that picture, that image. And um, what I'm hoping that we're trying to tap into here at the 5 o'clock service at the Advent. And let me talk about one thing, which is location. Um, when I first got here, before I got here, there was a lot of discussion about the, a new Cranmer house. And there's been, I guess, for years and years, discussion about uh, whether or not the 5 o'clock service should be at Cranmer house or elsewhere. Um, and so I kind of entered that conversation midstream. And what a lot of people were telling me is the thing you have to understand, Matt, is nobody wants to come downtown Sunday evening um, at 5 o'clock. I mean, nobody. Literally, that's the word that people say. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, I listened to that because I'm not from Birmingham. Um, and we were kind of uh, going along with Cranmer House, and it was looking good. But as I was here longer, a lot of confluence of things kind of came. And I was listening to what a lot of you were saying about some of you were totally for of it. Some of you were against it. Some of you were neutral. Um, but we decided... Uh, not to move the service uh, to Cranmer House and therefore um, recommitting, uh, at least for now, here to the refectory, but especially to downtown Birmingham, um, which uh, I think is important. Um, and I should say about Cranmer House, it's a great facility. I think it's it's fabulous for what it's doing. It's no real loss that the 5 o'clock isn't there. As a matter of fact, it might be better that we're not there 
because the youth ministry is thriving there. Um, there are small groups and Bible studies there. And I think that the five o'clock service uh, would be almost too big for the space. Um, it would be too much to, to work around. Um, and it just took time to get to that decision, really, uh, and some discernment. But one of the things that um, I become convinced of in the last sort of six to eight months is the importance of downtown Birmingham. Um, and this service leaving downtown would uh, would be too bad, I think. Um, the Advent has been downtown since 1872. We're the oldest church in Birmingham. And did you know the first services at the Advent were actually in the afternoon? Uh, because... Uh, the first sort of Episcopal church in this area before 1872 is what's called Eliton, which is now West Birmingham, was a church called St. John's. And the rector there would do the service in the morning, and then he'd come here in the afternoon and give the service. And so actually, the most historic thing in terms of service is an afternoon service at the Advent. And so that's just a piece of trivia. But the community of downtown is changing. I've moved downtown because a lot of people are moving downtown. The building I live in just opened up. There's not only the Loft District, which has been around since the 1980s, but there's the Midtown 20 on 20th Street and 3rd Avenue South. There's the venue overlooking the ballpark. I've just heard about a new development on Richard Arrington at 7th Avenue uh, South. Um, the Pizitz building is reopening. Those will be apartment buildings. The Lear Tower, which used to be a hotel, the Thomas Jefferson, is being remodeled, and that will be apartments at first and eventually condoed out. And we're talking an influx of several thousand people who are going to be living downtown in the next three to five years who don't already live here. And so don't tell me ever again, nobody wants to come downtown after dark because several thousand people like me will already be here um, living. And many of you don't live downtown, but you have a real interest in what's happening here. Um, and so I know there are people who not only live here, but those of you who live in Mountain Brook and Vestavia, who are who are willing to come after dark. So um, that's just a thought. Um, and uh, so that's that's the location thing, which was a big topic, I think, for the last sort of year, year and a half. Uh, we kind of shelved it for a while and announced it just in January. But um, here we are. We're in the refectory for now. And this was a, a trial to, to do the dinner right in the same space. Would love to hear your input on how you feel about uh, doing this, sort of turning the space around versus going into Klingman comments. Um, so Lessons and Carols was the big sort of meta thought that I had about the feeling of uh, this service and what I think we're trying to accomplish here, whatever that means for you. Here's another one. Holler and Dash. Do you know what that is? It's a new restaurant. I haven't even been to it. It's a new restaurant in Homewood, downtown. It's like a biscuit place. Do you know who owns it? Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. <clears throat> I think the 5 o'clock service is kind of like Collar and Dash. <laughs> because, um, and other companies have this. Like, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but like Brooks Brothers, for example, has a subsidiary company that's like a sort of a newer version of Brooks Brothers. But when you look at it, you're like, that's obviously Brooks Brothers, but the pants are a little bit slimmer. You know what I mean? Because we're in 2016. Uh, Cracker Barrel is still a great restaurant, and more people will go to Cracker Barrel than will go to Holler and Dash. 
But when you go to Holler Dash, you're like, oh, this is 2016. Like, I get it. It's in the vernacular of the sort of current style and language of the day. What do I mean by that? Um, I, the five o'clock, uh, a lot of the, the sort of changes that we've made in the last year and a half are to, to bring the five o'clock in the ethos of the advent, um, to, to, to make sure that it looks and smells and feels like the Cathedral Church of the Advent. What do I mean by that? There's a culture here. There's something about the Advent that's unique in the Anglican communion. We stand for something. Um, and people know about us outside of ourselves. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the sort of the gospel ministry of the clear preached word about Jesus Christ as being our rescuer, our intervention, um, that we need help uh, from him. If you go preach in the pulpit in the nave, there's a little plaque that says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And that means that everything that we do kind of stems from this idea of the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, but what we do in the morning, I love it. I go there every Sunday morning. It doesn't work for everybody. It just doesn't. I mean, I'm going to be realistic about that. If like you don't own a suit um, or you don't have more than five dresses, um, you're going to feel out of place. Um, and uh, or maybe you don't you just the the organ music isn't speaking to your uh, isn't speaking to you for some reason. Uh, and so how does a church do worship with the same theological understanding that's in the modern vernacular? Whereas the larger advent is Cracker Barrel, <laughs> the five o'clock is holler and dash is what I'm trying to get at. And I hope that's not a profane sort of analogy, but that means that we're trying to be sort of attuned to like, what's, what is the modern sort of vernacular? And so in terms of music, what sounds fresh to modern ears yet is proclaiming the gospel because liturgy and worship, um, the word liturgy means the work of the people. But I think of liturgy, which is a fancy word for worship, as not just the work of the people, but the work on the people. That the music, the prayers that we say, the preached word, the communion that we take over time works on us and it does something to us. Just as when you hear someone preach and it comes in your ears and it affects your heart, um, there's a sort of almost a somatic effect over the course of time uh, on going to liturgy and what that does to you. And so I hope that we're a, a, we're a fresh modern expression of gospel ministry that's not, um, that's not outside of the, the foul lines, if that makes sense. Um, so anything that's outside of the foul lines, we're just not going to do. But the things that are, we will. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the sort of the idea that I have about the five o'clock in terms of its sort of ethos. So, um, recognizing that we're in the 21st century and that yet that's not a, that's not to bash what we do in the morning. I think there's a place for that and it's great and it works for a lot of people. Um, and as the colic that I've just read that we had earlier, May our hearts surely be fixed on Jesus. Let's not just do modern things because it's relevant. May they all be uh, fixed on Jesus Christ at the end of the day. Um, and so that's uh, sort of the, the liturgy and a lot of the decisions that we've made are to try to find well, what's the best of the Anglican tradition or Anglican heritage uh, and, and use that stuff. Let's not lose sight of what our heritage is, but do it in uh, the sort of a modern expression. And um, 
One of those things is to bring evening prayer into the equation. And there are a lot of reasons why I made the decision to do that. But one simply is it's a it's a beautiful, historic Anglican service that uh, is just, I think, has a lot of beauty on its own. Um, in the morning, we do morning prayer every other week. We're not doing evening prayer every other week here, but at least once a month, maybe twice if there's a fifth Sunday. Um, and... Uh, it's fine to take communion less often. You don't have to take it every week. Sometimes it might be good to skip a week. To think, I mean, how can you take it in every week? It's almost too big. And so it's okay not to take it every week. But if you want to take it every week, there are plenty of services around here. You can come in the morning if that's really what you want to do. The 7.30 a.m. service has communion every single week. Um, but most of you who come at 5 o'clock are not willing to wake up that early. Um, <laughs> But we always only do evening prayer here when there's communion at 9 o'clock, by the way. Um, so if that's something that is important to your sort of um, your piety, that's fine. There's a place for it. But here we're just, that's a direction that we're moving in. Uh, we probably won't ever go to every other week, but at least once a month. And by the way, we're eating a common meal together afterwards, at least most of the time. Um, so there you go. The other thing about evening prayer is it allows for more lay leadership uh, as you notice, I've put Brandon in the mix to officiate. You don't have to be ordained to lead evening prayer. Um, and uh, some other people have come around. Um, Adam Young, who's our curate, who's not ordained in the Episcopal Church. Stephen McCarthy, before he was ordained, was leading it. Um, uh, Palmer Kennedy, who's an intern. So opportunities for other people to lead the worship. And it's also a place that focuses on the preached Word of God. Uh, we don't have to be anxious about time. So the sermon can go a little bit longer if needed. Uh, so it's a very word-centric service. Uh, so that's that uh, with liturgy, bringing evening prayer. And let me talk music. The music, the direction that we've been going in is more toward what's been called retuned hymns. Because a lot of hymns from uh, several hundred years ago are often really rich in theology, have really... There, I mean, there are deficits with hymns, but for the most part, they tend to be deeper, theologically speaking, than most modern music. So that's a place where, uh, you know, modern uh, expressions are tend to be a little bit shallower, but people have recognized that and they've retuned old hymns. Or there's new music that is a lot like hymnody. We're bringing some of that in, too. Um, and Zach Hicks, who's going to be our uh, new uh, worship leader here, uh, he'll be a canon on staff. I'll still be the pastor here this 5 o'clock service, but he'll be the worship leader starting in the summer. Uh, he's somebody who's, ironically, he's a, he's a Presbyterian, yet he's an Anglican at heart because he's getting a doctorate and he's studying Thomas Cranmer. Um, and he understands all that I'm talking about at a whole other playing field and is actually a really good musician. And so I'm really excited about what he'll be able to, uh, what place he'll be able to take us to, not only liturgically speaking, but musically. Not just retuned hymns, but what's new music that's kind of tapping in to what old hymnody was, was doing with richer uh, lyrics. The other thing, uh, I, oh, one thing I forgot to say about evening prayer that I wanted to mention uh, versus doing communion every single week, another reason for it is it's hospitable to the outsider. 
Um, and we don't need to be hospital to the outsider in that way every single Sunday, but it's nice once in a while to have somebody who's coming around who's new, who doesn't need to make a decision that Sunday about whether or not to come forward for communion. They can just sit and, and receive and not make a decision about, am I, was I really baptized? Uh, do I feel like taking communion in this church? And I bring that up because I've had these conversations with people. Um, so uh, that's an authentic concern for some people. Uh, the other uh, major emphasis, if that's music and, and liturgy, another major emphasis that we've uh, been uh, 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 having is one on community and hospitality. Um, and I don't know any better way to do that than food. If you can think of a better way, tell me. Um, but it just seems to work, partly because it gets people to slow down and stop and have conversations with each other. But something magic seems to happen when we sit and eat together. Uh, and I could, we could really use your help with that. Um, uh, you know, we're doing these suppers about once a month. I don't know where we'll go with that. That seems to be somewhat sustainable. And then afterwards, every service, regardless, we're doing something like cookies or pastries to get people to kind of linger. Um, uh, we've appointed new sort of point people for different categories of ministry. And our point people for hospitality are Sally Goings and Bethany Rushing. If you two want to hang, hold your hands up. Uh, if you'd like to help, if you feel like you have a gift for hospitality, community, or food, um, uh, or uh, what we used to be calling ushers, we're now calling hosts, because that's the first person that you meet when you come in the building. If you feel like you, you have a gift for that kind of thing, go talk to to Sally and uh, Bethany. The other point people um, for Alter Guild is now Kelly Holsey, uh, who helps with the Alter Guild folks help, help with the setup of the stuff we need for communion. But not only that, when we do evening prayer, putting the candles and the linens out, things of that nature. Um, and our point person for the uh, readers, the lectors, intercessors is Brandon Bennett. Um, uh, he'll be working with people who are doing the readings. Uh, if that's something that you feel like you might be truly not only just interested in, but might have a talent for standing in front of a group of people and, and reading, talk to him about that. And then chalice bearers uh, will probably always be me, just because there are some uh, canonical licensing that we need um, for that. Um, we do have the, the, the sign-up sheet. Do we have that, Brandon? Has it gone around? Oh, you forgot it. Go get it right now. Um, uh, he'll, uh, we have a sign-up sheet that um, we'll pass around um, for two reasons. Um, we're sending out emails on occasion for events like this. Um, like uh, all the food that came was not just Bethany and Sally, but some people signed up to bring things like cheese and sour cream and chips and stuff like that. It'd be great to have your email addresses. We won't email you too much, maybe once a month at most. Um, and then also there's a column on that sheet that says, I'm interested in volunteering. And that's good to know so we can reach out to you um, if, uh, uh, if, there's a, if there's a need for something. And even if you're a regular, you'll go ahead and add your name because yeah. it's very uh, sparse. Um, another thing I want to mention is, um, is, a, is, a, is a place for uh, uh, pastoral care. Um, you know, if, if you or someone, you, a family member, um, 
is in the hospital, uh, please let let the church know. Let me know. Either I or one of the clergy or one of our lay chaplains will come visit you. Um, and I hope that you can all be pastoral to each other. Um, and that's part of the, the community building. I mean, I would love to not only just visit you in the hospital when you're there, but if you want to go get lunch or coffee sometime, I would love to do that. If we've never done that, to get to know you better. But I hope you'll do that with each other. Some of you already are. Um, we have small groups in the church uh, that you can join up with, and those might be diverse across the church body. Um, but it would be really cool to see at least one, maybe two, small groups that really are made up from folks from the 5 o'clock service. If that's something that, that you're interested in, let me know or Fontaine Pope, who's our, uh, our small groups coordinator, um, because pastoral care not only comes from clergy but from each other often uh, more powerfully uh, from the body of christ that you might know better on a day-to-day basis Um, but that's part of the the community building is that hopefully this is a place to start even if you're not in a small group having those those uh, points of connection with fellow uh, members of the body of christ um, so those, that's all the kind of big picture stuff that I wanted to sort of talk through that I've been thinking about um, lately. Uh, let me just point out some upcoming scheduling things. Next week I mentioned we have the Walk to the Cross on Palm Sunday. I hope you'll come to church a little bit early, around 4.30 for that. Uh, and then we'll come in here for a communion service uh, about 5-ish. Um, Easter Sunday, um, it's funny, historically, Palm Sunday tends to be the most well-attended 5 o'clock service because of what's been called the Easter walk. And then Easter Sunday is the least attended <laughs> because, uh, ironically, because people go to church in the morning, and I totally get that. But just know we're still going to worship. We'll still be here. Um, and you don't have to come. If you want to go in the morning because you want to have pomp and circumstance, uh, go for it. Um, but we'll still be here um, on, on Easter Sunday. Um, and then also, historically, we've canceled this service on Rally Day. We're not going to do that anymore. Um, uh, I, I think that when I look back at the 5 o'clock, I think it's been viewed as not necessarily a worship service, but as a program. And therefore, it's easier to just sort of cancel. You know, we're doing Rally Day, so we're going to cancel it. But when I go to the Rally Day picnic, I don't see most of you. I see uh, other people who attend to worship in the morning. And so that seems kind of a disservice to this congregation. So Rally Day come in September. We'll have the picnic in the evening, but we'll also still be worshiping here if you want to come to church in the evening. Um, I'm hoping to do lessons and carols again, bringing it back full circle to where we began. Uh, I think it was a really special service, so we, uh, we're looking at booking uh, Railroad Park again for the Sunday before Christmas. By the way, Christmas Day is Sunday. We'll worship 5 o'clock Christmas Day. Uh, um, we're not going to cancel it just because it's Christmas Day. Christmas Day historically is a really low-attended day because most people come to church Christmas Eve. But we'll have church service in the evening, Christmas Day, when we get there. So those are all my thoughts all that I saw and uh, loved, and you did too, because I've talked to so many of you about lessons and carols, I hope we can tap into that year-round. And crate, uh, Cracker Barrel, <laughs> Cathedral Church of the Advent, Holler and Dash, it's still a Cracker Barrel subsidiary, and you can see the connection. It fits within the ethos of the larger company. And yet is its own thing, a fresh expression that 
Um, uh, people who won't necessarily normally eat at Cracker Barrel unless they're on a long road trip um, might go to Holler and Dash. <laughs> um, and that's great. So uh, any uh, questions or sort of open discussion? Yeah. Yeah, like something like outside, sort of. Yeah, in the nice weather. Yes. Yeah, it, was, it was a great service, but it was cold. Yeah, we're heaters going to get more heaters next year. Yeah. Bring your coats, and we'll have more heaters. Uh, lessons and carols next year. Wear thick socks. Um, Yes. Well, last year we did a service on the roof uh, with the youth uh, department. Do you remember that if you're here? The problem with that is the elevator doesn't go all the way to the roof. Um, and so folks who have bad knees um, were upset with me. Um, and it was also really labor intensive bringing all the chairs up there. But I think there's po there are other possibilities. Railroad Park is expensive to book, I'll just be honest. So like doing it once a year... Um, is more doable, but there are other things. Like I've had the idea of like, I wonder if we could worship out there in the rector's garden. Just put chairs out there. So maybe we could look into something like that in uh, April, um, because uh, May is starting to get warm. Although it's shaded there, so we could probably do May, not June, July, or August. <laughs> but yeah, like, and then October or September, I think the weather again is is really pleasant. We could look at doing something like that. Would you all be into? Something like that. Or if it's not in Railroad Park, which is expensive, we could find another outdoor location off-site. Um, yeah, Lynn Park or something like that. Yeah. Well, and just the way that it drew people. Like, Lynn Park being so close, up. Yeah, I think one of the things that was really uh, special about Lessons and Carols is the barriers are they're literally non-existent. Um, there's a certain thing about coming in a church building there's a certain part of you that has to feel the need to do that, to even just darken the doors of a church. But maybe you're not quite there yet, but you know Railroad Park, and so you know you can kind of sort of look at it on the fringes and leave if it's terrible. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I think doing things like that more than once a year would be great. But then think about that. How can we do that here in this building? I mean, uh, the refectory, you've kind of got to go through a maze to get to it. Um, and so that's why we've had what we're now calling the hosts out in Clingman Commons, so that when people enter the building, they see somebody. Uh, back in the day, sometimes you enter the building and there's nobody, and you're thinking, is this the right church? <laughs> is this the Catholic church? Um, <laughs> um, but yes, I think that that's good thinking. Any other questions or ideas or comments? Yeah, what did you think tonight about doing this where we flipped the room? Anybody hate this? <laughs> um, yeah, and it's actually helpful for our sextons because uh, it's less work for them. We're doing half the work. Now they only have to bring out half as many tables. Not only for the Lenten lunches, but they have to do this setup during the week for the school, too, because this is their lunch room. Um, so when we meet out in Clayman Commons, it, it creates more work for the, the church staff. Um, so, yeah, we'll try this again if we do a supper in, in, in April. Maybe we could do this here. Or outside. Or outside. Um, any other? The, the sign-up sheet's going around. Um, 
If you want to have us have your information for emails, um, uh, or if you want to check off that you're interested in volunteering in some way, would love that. Um, I think that's a lot of what I'm trying to say about, I, I almost don't like the word volunteer because it feels like you're filling a slot. Um, uh, but I don't know what else, I don't know what else to, to call it. But what happened at Lessons and Carols wasn't people filling slots. It was a community coming together, and I saw people say, uh, do you need help with that, you know? Um, and so uh, part of the decision to stay in the space was to purposefully get people to set up tables together. <laughs> um, I think that those kinds of things actually are helpful for, for building community. Um, we lose some of that if we depend on um, the church staff to kind of do everything. Uh, if you if you work over at Cranmer House with anything, uh, or if you go to a smaller church, typically people kind of have to love chairs and tables around. So, um, uh, so that's a, that's a stab toward um, trying to have that small small church feel. Really, um, any other thoughts about anything? I hope this was helpful. Yeah, Gordon. Yeah, we're here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, just know, yeah, know that. I, I wondered how many of the 5 o'clock service know about Cranmer House, where it is, and what the facility is like. Yeah. Because I think it would be nice for them to know that it exists, the location. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, so that they're not struggling with directions and time sure. to where it is. Yeah, if you don't know about Cranmer House, we have a satellite facility in Homewood in the city, the central business district. If you know where the Wells Fargo is over there, it's immediately next door. Uh, kind of a modern looking building with cool red doors. We used to have a facility in Mountain Brook, uh, but we kind of, we quickly, we outgrew that place before we even moved in. Uh, it was so awkward. Uh, and so that's why we did the search for the space in Homewood. Um, but because so many of our, our membership live over the mountain, it's kind of a place of ease for programming. Um, Bible studies, a lot of our youth activity, uh, because most of the youth in the church go to the schools over the mountain, uh, Homewood, Vestavia, Mountain Brook, Hoover, etc. Um, uh, we do one-off events there sometimes, like uh, Thursday. We don't do Wednesday evenings. Usually we do Thursday evenings here for one-off events, uh, happen over there often. Yet we're doing some of that here as well downtown for a lot of the reasons that I, that I mentioned. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's Cranmer House. Yeah. But we're here. Um, and I hope you're excited about that idea of really trying to reach people who are interested in what's happening downtown and, and, and living here. Because the last thing I'll say about that is if we don't do it, somebody else will. Um, somebody else will reach out to the people who are living right in our backyards. And I'm not threatened by that because it's going to happen. I mean, I know churches that are over the mountain who are trying to plant satellite churches downtown. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious how we have a satellite campus over the mountain because we're downtown? Um <laughs> But uh, I think we, uh, we owe it to sort of our own physical geographic neighborhood to really be um, trying to reach the folks who, who live downtown. I think a lot of those folks would be much more comfortable coming to this service, frankly, than the morning, though I don't say that exclusively. But um, I think that's, that's going to be true. 
that this style of uh, service will be uh, more up their alley than, than what we do in the morning uh, for a lot of people. Um, so uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I'll shut up. Sign the sign-up sheet. Uh, hope to see you next Sunday for the Palm Sunday service, and we'll do this again next year, State of the Union Address in 2017. Go in peace to love, this, love and serve the Lord.